Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, episode 39 with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink, and download the new Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has a quick word from our new show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that is BETUS.com. And use the promo code RINK for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. In episode 39, who will the next Bruins coach be? And Bruce Cassidy, of course, fired by the Bruins, had his press conference, said he was safe. Two weeks later, he's fired in his home. What happened there? (laughs) I mean, what an absolute shit show this is. It had to be some kind of front office, uh, you know, struggle for who is going to decide who the coach is going to be like, it seems like Cassidy, I mean, uh, Sweeney probably was like, you know, we're going to bring you back. And then Neely's like, I don't like the way he's coaching right now and he needs to go. And so I think Neely maybe overruled Sweeney there and, and, uh, Cassidy is out. And, uh, six days later he has a new job. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was the right move. I, we said it in the last one, I think they fired the wrong guy or the wrong guys. And, uh, you know, it, we'll see what happens. I mean, Cassidy, I think, is going to be a really nice fit for uh, Vegas. I think so, too. And I, I think that Neely, you know, he said in the, 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 the postseason, after the season press conference with him was, we need to coach differently. And you thought at the time, well, they'll work it out with Cassidy. But there was a precursor there to all of this where Neely had it in his mind that he wasn't happy with the coaching and the way they coach. Mm -hmm. So then Sweeney goes in. Where the disconnect is is Sweeney goes into the exit interview with Cassidy and says, you know, you're coming back for the last year of your contract and, you know, we'll talk about how to coach or whatever and says that Cassidy is safe and Cassidy believes he is. And then two weeks later, Neely must have met with Sweeney and was like, oh, no, 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 we're, we're going in a different direction. And you're the guy who's going to fire him. And you're the guy who's going to do the press conference. And there were some parts of that press conference with Sweeney where he, it seemed like it wasn't his decision. You could kind of read between the lines there. Yeah, I think he kind of alluded to it in, in a few few different areas where, you know, he didn't really have answers for why he was let go because he didn't want to let him go. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, uh, he was kind of searching for what he was going to say. And, and, you know, it, it did. You could kind of see um, reading between the lines that he maybe was not on board with the decision, but, you know, he was overruled. Yeah. And that's that's the part of it that, you know, it, it just got a little bit confusing was that Sweeney kind of thought he was going to stay with Cassidy. And then now he's been forced to fire him. 
And this is after Cassidy fired Kevin Dean as an assistant. So all the timing and everything became this big clunky mess. And now we haven't heard a single thing from them. We've heard complete crickets from the Bruins organization about anything, including Sweeney's own contract, which there's been no announcement. I'm sure he's working you know, I'm sure he's getting paid in some regard. I don't know if he's under contract. I don't know if they're waiting. There is a draft coming up. There is free agency coming up. There's a huge decision on David Parsonar coming up. So, you know, you need to have the coach in place, all of those things, and you have a general manager with no contract. So that just adds to it. So yeah. now you're in, I don't know, you're in limbo. Yeah, I mean, the whole organization is in limbo. It doesn't seem like they have a plan. We've said this before. Um and and I'm one that says, you know, before this, I, I thought they fired the wrong guy. I don't want Sweeney in charge of my rebuild. If that's what's happening here, I don't want him in charge. He can't draft. He hasn't done a very good job at developing young guys, picking young guys. I don't want him being the one that makes the tough decisions. And I don't certainly don't want Neely involved. Like I've said on Twitter, I love the guy as a player. Love him. One of my favorite Bruins of all time, but I don't want him in charge of my organization. I don't want him there. I don't. So give me, give me, they should have cleaned, the Jacobs family should have cleaned house. If you're going to let go of the coach, get rid of everyone, bring in a new GM, let him pick the coach and, and do the full rebuild. Cause you know, going into this next season, your top line is DeBrusque. <laughs> Right. Your right. second line is Hall. Or I, well, it's Hall and Hall of a Parsonak's up in the air. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And your your third line is, you know, Coyle, Smith, whatever. Coyle, like, so, like, right. your top two centers are Halla and Coyle, and then right. Nosek and Studnika. Wow. Like, are you, yeah. you're, a, you're a bottom tier team now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Without Martian, yeah. without McAvoy. Your centers score 40-something points a year. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're, a, you're a bottom-tier team. And yeah. Sweeney in his press conference was like, well, it's going to take, you know, it could take a few years to replace Bergeron. Well, it, that, it's, that, that's the case because you didn't draft well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, 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 I mean, they're just, they're just in horrible shape. And I don't want Sweeney in charge of deciding what's going to happen. I don't. And I, you know what? I, I think that the Bruins organization, Kim Neely, I don't think they know if they want him in charge either. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's any, I don't know how much assurance he has that he can continue on either. So that's, and still here we are getting later and later in the summer here and, and nothing's been done. So, uh, all right. Seven Sharps time sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. Go ahead and use the coupon code sports for 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. Chirp number one, David Quinn seems to be a candidate for the head coaching position. Charlie McAvoy's old college coach spent three seasons with the Rangers. One playoff appearance seemed to end badly, seemed to not go well. Not sure I like this candidate at all. I don't like this candidate. I, I don't. I think he um, benefited from having um, some really good teams at BU. Um, right. You know, yeah. McAvoy, McAvoy, Grizzlick. 
Uh, I believe Eichel might have been there when he was sure. there uh, yeah. for the one year. Um, Rodriguez, maybe. Yeah, too, Evan yeah, Rodriguez yeah. too. Yeah. So, uh, to me, he's he's not he's not what you want. I I I don't think he uh, will will add a whole bunch. I'm I mean maybe he can relate to some of the younger guys, but the, the Rangers had a bunch of young guys and it didn't work there. Um, it's possible it could be like you know some other guys, Cassie being one where. You know, he's a little better on his second chance than than the first chance. You know, maybe you learn some lessons for the first time you go through it and then you're better uh, equipped to handle things your second time around. But uh, to me, he's not he's not who I would want to take the job. No, I I don't think I wouldn't want him to take the job at all, to be honest. He's way down the list for me. He's a he's a guy who had three seasons in New York and didn't really do that well. And the reviews weren't great on him. And I just don't, I don't think that's the guy you come in with right after this fiasco at all. I think you need a better choice. If it's a young guy with less experience, what have you, but it's a guy with some upside. It's, it's a Nate Lehman or a guy that's, you know, Spencer Carver, who's had some, who has some upside and around the league, they see him as a hot prospect as a coach and, and that type of thing. You know, I think Quinn is is just a guy who kind of failed, and you're not sure what he would bring to the table now. So, uh, trip number two reports say that Jim Montgomery, Joe Sacco, Spencer Carberry, and Jay Leach are the other Bruins uh, head coaching job candidates that are interviewing. Didn't see Nate Lehman on this one, but we did see him on Elliot Freeman's list. And Joe Sacco is getting an interview. How is Joe Sacco getting an interview? <laughs> I don't know. If you want to, if you want a different voice. He's the same, like, he's an assistant coach on that staff. He was in charge of the power play. That was awful. Like, how on earth is he a candidate? Like, he should have been fired with uh, whoever. What I can't even think of what the other guy, coach's name oh, was. Kevin Dean. Oh, Kevin yeah, Dean. Kevin he should have been fired yeah. with Kevin Dean. Should have been yeah. gone right away. Yeah. Power play, struggled. I, I thought he, I thought when the season ended, I thought he was the first guy who was going to get fired. Me too. I really did. I really did. I was waiting for that announcement right away saying, okay, Joe Sacco has been let go because our power play sucks. And that's a big pre reason why we didn't play very well and didn't win the series, or, you know, didn't play well toward the end you know, the, the you know, last stretch of the season. And mm -hmm. um, it needs to be better and it needs to be different. And we need to have a different philosophy in it. We rely too much on Pasternak's one timer and, you know, we're just not getting pucks to the net and so forth. We're not getting traffic. We need to be better on the power play. So I thought for sure <clears throat> that Cassidy would stay. And that Joe Sack Sacco was the guy who would be half, you know, it would be one of those, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's half, um, you know, it's legitimate yeah. that he should go, but it's also half scapegoatish. Like, right. Okay, yeah. Like it's an easy fire to me. Yeah. It's like and when it's like, interview. yeah, it's yeah. like when football coaches, when you want to, you want to save the head coach, but you know, the offense struggles. So you fire the offensive coordinator, yeah. you know, it's, well, it's that type of thing. It's yeah, the same another year with the head coach. Right. It's, the, it, yeah. it's the same, it's the same deal. And, and when I heard that they had fired an assistant coach, I just assumed it was Sacco. I just <laughs> assumed it was because yeah. it was like the, the defense, like they played a a little bit above their heads like they weren't as good and and their defense all year long was one of the top defenses in the league that's the guy you let go and the offense with a horrible shooting percentage terrible right. on the power play that's the guy you keep 
I mean, the, the, the Bruins organization has been doing everything backwards. It seems like since Sweeney's been there, like they fuck up the drafts, they fire the wrong guys. Like I, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't, I don't get it at all. Then you, and then you blame the coach for not being better with the young guys, but you, but you gave him, you signed five free agents to fill all those spots because your young guys aren't very good. Right. So that's a complete contradiction right there. And then you have a, a guy like Kevin Dean. They were first, first, second, and fourth the last three seasons in goals against first, first, second, and fourth. Vegas is like 15th. Mm-hmm. You know, and Cassidy's going over there to right the ship there. Yeah, so and he will. fire the defensive guy and not the offensive guy. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it, makes, it, makes, it makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, all right, chirp number three. How safe do you think Don Sweeney is? I mean, are we, is there still a chance that after this couple-week period that they say, you know what, right before the draft, which would be beautiful, we're going <laughs> to fire Don Sweeney. Uh, and he's and he's been let go. Is there enough of a rift there? Is there enough of a uh, difference in philosophy that they feel they can't figure it out and they need to go a different direction? Oh, fuck, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. They it fired the wrong guy. It just seems like it could happen. <laughs> they, I mean, it does. Anything yeah. could happen. Right. <laughs> they could fire him and Neely be like, I'm going to be the general manager now. I mean, yeah. who knows what they could do? They could, they could bring back Harry Sinden. I mean, who the fuck yeah. knows? Like, yeah. anything is on the table at this point. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring in Wayne Gretzky. He's going to run the organization. Like, right. you have no idea what they're capable of now because they don't do anything logically. Everything is just like, it seems like fly by the seat of my pants. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Let's, uh, let's pick a guy who's, uh, you know, projected as a fourth rounder in the middle of the first round. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. So, I mean, <laughs> Sweeney could be back. He could sign a five-year contract to be here. He could sign a lifetime contract to be here for the rest of his days, or he could be fired tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. <laughs> and and Neil, Neely could take it over, and, and Patrice Bergeron could be the special assistant grooming for the GM. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Could happen tomorrow. Yeah, good. No, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the that's the. It gives me an incredibly uneasy feeling, especially with the draft coming up, and you have two million dollars in the cap space, and you know, there's just not a, there's absolutely no buzz or feel or anything, and there seems to be very, um, they seem to be very sort of casual about the coaching thing. Like then they don't seem to be on it a hundred percent. They seem to be sort of taking their time. Well, Jesus, you have a draft coming up. You don't know who the coach is going to be. You don't know what his philosophy is going to be to coach, but you're going to go ahead and draft guys who could play for him two or three years from now. Well, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Chirp number four is the Bruins head coaching job an attractive one. If you think about it, I think it still is because you're still talking about a team with a lot of history and original six team. Uh, you have some good core pieces there still, even though you have a little bit of a cap situation and, and you know, potentially some problems down the middle. Um, I still think it's, I still think it's an attractive job and you know, it, it sounds like by um, some of the candidates that were, you know, floating around that, it, it it probably still is an attractive job to uh, to a lot of people. I think so too. It's the original six thing. It's a big market. You know, they do spend to the cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there's, I'm not sure how much they pay their head coaches, uh, you know, as opposed to the rest of the league. I'm sure it's competitive enough. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good, 
job to have. You have some young, you have Charlie McAvoy and a DC young goalie, and you have you probably have Pasternak, so you have some pieces there too. It's better than friggin' Winnipeg. It's yeah, it's, than, yeah. You know, there's some other Detroit. Like for God's sake, I mean, it's better than some other jobs out there for sure. I mean, I take the Boston one over a bunch of them, uh, but there needs to be some assurance. If I'm the head coach going in, um, there needs to be some assurance. So who's going to be the GM? What's the plan? You know, can I implement my style? Is my style match what you're bringing in for talent, which has been an issue uh, over the last couple of years there at least. So there's, there's some question marks there that I would ask. I just don't think they're going to bring in an established coach because it's just, it would be contradictory to what they just did. They just fired Cassidy mm-hmm. and because of the young guy situation. I don't see torts or trots or any of those guys coming in and being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to treat the young guys. Well, we can see John Tortorella the first time he sees Jack Stanika. He's freaking <laughs> break it off in his rear end. Like, for God's sake. Yeah. I don't know. To me, to me though, I think the Detroit job uh, this off season, especially would be more attractive than the Boston job. Cause that's an original six job too. Yeah. Yeah. Eisenman's yeah. there. He's building it the right way. You sure. have a, yeah. lo- a core of young guys who are really good. You have cider, you have Lucas Raymond, you still have um, yeah. uh, Dylan Larkin. Like they have a ton of cap room like that. That, that to me, if like, if I had to choose between the two and I didn't have any kind of affiliation with Boston, I think I'm going Detroit. Yeah. You'd have to live like in Ann Arbor or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't live in Detroit. Yeah. No, I wouldn't I'd, live in Detroit. I'd have to, right. I'd have to find like a gasoline barrel and a, yeah. you know, a bridge to live under there. But, right. No, um, I wouldn't do that. You know, as a city, Boston obviously is better, but as a right. as a hockey specific thing, yeah. I think right that now, Detroit job's yeah. more attractive than the Boston job right now. Sure. sure. Does it does it does it alarm? Well, it doesn't surprise you, but does it alarm you at all that Don Sweeney's contract is up? And it doesn't seem like any other teams are really asking about him or there's no reports of like someone else might be in, you know, interested in Sweeney. Doesn't that show you that no one else really would want him either? Yeah, it shows you really all you need to know. That's why I was saying all along they fired the wrong guy. Cassidy had a new job in six days. days. There was other coaches. So there it is. So there it is. So Sweeney gets fired. It's it's more than six days. It's more than six days. It's more than six (laughs) days. It's probably... 6,600 days. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, Cassidy is like the, the, the fucking iron is still white hot. Right. So, so there were plenty of other candidates already out there. He gets fired and immediately everybody's like, we want to interview Cassidy. Right. So he leaps over trots and torts. Yes. Other guys. Yes. Who are established, Paul Maurice, Mm -hmm. other guys who are established coaches wanting to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Jim Montgomery even. Yep. And, and they go right to Cassidy in six days. Six days, done, hired, welcome. Boom. Yeah. So to a to a job that you know what they're they're still young in the league, but Vegas is a fucking attractive job. It's fucking Vegas. It is. It's and attractive. They have a core with Eichel. They have a core yeah. of good players. They have cap problems. Yeah. Up Certainly do. Certainly do. But they're, but they're that's an attractive job. Yeah. Even though they're five years in the league. Yeah. You know, so and he gets it six days in and leaps over all those candidates. So that tells you a lot. And it, I don't think it happens with Sweeney. <laughs> no, no, at all. No, I don't think it, they fire no. people are like Jesus. We got to call. No, Tom it doesn't. Sweeney no, it doesn't. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So chapter number five, Bruce Cassidy is hired by Vegas. He says in the press conference, he is excited to join an organization 
that shares his commitment to winning. This jumped out, out off the page at me. It seems like a little bit of a dig. It is one hundred percent. It's not a. It's not a little bit of a dig. It is one hundred percent a dig, and he's one hundred percent correct. I share his same views. I don't right. think that the Bruins are committed to winning. I don't think they ever have been committed to winning. I think they're committed to being pretty good. That's what I right. think they are. I think they're yeah. committed to being pretty good. Let's be good enough to get into the playoffs. We can get some get some home playoff money, home playoff dates, sell some concessions, sell some fucking. Jumbo sized meatballs and hot dogs and fourteen dollar oh, yeah. beers. Kowloon's fucking yeah. Uh, yeah. Some crab rangoon, sell all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and we'll have a pretty good team. We'll have a pretty good team. Go to banners and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Go to banners, go to legends, buy, do yeah. all these things. We'll we'll make all this money and the team will yeah. be pretty good to keep everybody around. Sure. Uh, but they do they do not have a commitment to winning. They don't. No. They never have. Um, they had good teams in the in the eighties that they didn't supplement. They had you know Stanley Cup teams where they didn't do enough. So, you know, yeah. it, it, I one hundred percent agree with Cassidy. And Vegas is committed to winning. They've they've made some big trades, made some bold trades, made some bold moves. They went to the Cup final in their first year in existence. So they are trying to win. Um, mm-hmm. and the Bruins, I don't think are, I think they're, they're happy if they win. I think they would like to win, but I don't think they're committed to it at all. No, I don't, I don't. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's a bonus. I think it's gravy if they win. Right. Um, cause they do like playoff gates. So if they can get more than a round, then great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more the merrier, mm-hmm. but they definitely want to get in that first round. And then from there it's gravy. Uh, but you can spend 10 grand a year to eat chicken tenders with Johnny Busick in the legends room. So there's that. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. he's the chief. So, I mean, that's what, that's, that's what, yeah. I mean, yeah, I have probably, grand, probably pretty good ch- tendies. I would imagine. Yeah. Right. A little, yeah, a little fucking sweet and sour. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Sweet and sour, a little barbecue. <laughs> you know what, you know what they should do? They should, they should hit up Jake and Joe's and get some of that, uh, that oh, Jake and Joe chef, sauce, that, uh, a little I buffalo sauce for the waitress. A little buffalo teriyaki. Yeah. Yeah. The sauce. Yeah. It's all about the sauce. Sure uh, is. All right. Barry Trotz trip. Number six, Barry Trotz, maybe to Winnipeg torch to Philadelphia. Any thoughts on that? I really like the torch to Philadelphia thing. Cause I think torch just screams Philadelphia. He does scream Philadelphia and, oh and that's going to be just an absolute shit show because those writers are going to be all over him. He's going to give it right back. There's probably going to be swearing during the introductory press conference, both oh, ways. Yeah. They're probably going to be like, Hey, towards fuck you. And he's going to be like, fuck right <laughs> off <laughs> fucking fuck. So like, it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. Like they're just going to be, it's going to be adversarial from the very, very oh, moment nice. it starts. It's going to be tremendous. And I think, um, Trotson, Winnipeg, I think, is actually a, a pretty good a pretty good move for the Jets because they have some talent there, and I think that he can get them to be more structured, more disciplined. He's not going to take uh, any shit from those uh, from the leaders of that team, you know, not wanting to play defense. So uh, I think he's going to be a really good uh, fit there, and uh, you know, Winnipeg could be a could be a tough one, tough team uh, in the in the West next year. Yeah, they could. They absolutely could. Who, who's the guy? Who's the defenseman for Philly? 
that is extraordinarily overpaid and uh, Rasmus Ristolainen. Yes, I want to see that first conversation with Torts and Rasmus Ristolainen. I want to see that because that's going to be some high comedy. I think. <laughs> yeah. Torts going to be like, "What are we paying you?" And here's your here's your advanced analytics right here. Yeah, all he does is hit people. That's all he does, Ristolainen. He yeah, can't do anything else other than hit people. Yeah. Speaking of hitting people, what were your thoughts on Jerry Mozon getting getting four years for eight million total from Nashville? His advanced analytics are not very good, but he does add sort of a toughness. He's a good depth defenseman. I don't think it's a terrible deal. I was a little surprised at four years. That seems like a lot. Uh, but for two million bucks, three years, three and four, that's that's like a million and a half. Yeah. Two, two I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I would rather have him right now than Mike Riley. Yeah. I would for what you need for what you need. That's what I'm saying for what you need. I would rather have him than Riley. He's a little cheaper. He plays a more physical game. So uh, to me, like if the Bruins had done that instead of signed Riley to three at nine, you know, total, I would be good with it because he's still young four years. He's, he's going to be what in his, you know, mid to late twenties by the time the the contracts up. So to me, that's a, it's a pretty good deal for them. Um, You know, I, Maybe he plays with Yossi or something like that. I mean, I don't know, but, um, right. you know, I, I think it's a pretty good move for Nashville. I, I wouldn't have minded it because if you have the world coming back and you have Clifton and Forbort and you move Riley, Lausanne's, a, you know, Lausanne's an adequate depth yeah. defenseman to add some, some grit to, you know, some, some toughness, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would rather have him than Riley, but I think if Zaboral returns from, from the injury back to the, to the form that he showed before he got hurt, you know, I, I think ideally that's the guy that you want in there because he has some offensive upside too. He does still play a little bit of a physical game. He's a pretty good puck mover. He can skate well. So to me, Zaboral is a guy above all that you would want there. Um, but I think Lazan, you know, would have been a nice fit too. And Zaboral can play the right side. Yeah, he can play so either side. Zaboral and Forbort, I like the sounds of that. Yeah. Because Forbort's steady enough. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he took a lot of it. I think people have a have a different kind of narrative about him. He's actually a little bit better than people give him credit for. Yeah. Like he, he had some parts of the season where he didn't play all that well, but he, there were some large parts of the season where he played just the way he needed to, which isn't jump off the page. No, but it's good penalty killing and a decent solid defenseman as your third pair, which is what you want. Right. You know, I mean, what the fuck else are you going to need? I mean, what, I mean, what else <laughs> do you want? He's yeah. I mean, he blocked, he blocked a ton of shots. He was a warrior. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't have any problem with, with the way forward pl- played, we were on him a little bit here and there, but like, like yeah. anyone, you know, you're going to have ups and downs over the course of a long season. Right. But people seem fans seem to carry that within the whole year. Like they, they developed a, a feeling about him and stayed with it. Like he was terrible. Yeah. And I think he played better than Riley for most of the year. Yeah. Well, part of it, I think is he started off scoring what he scored like right. three or four goals right goals. away. And then everybody's like, well, he should score 20 now. Yeah. No, that's uh, not his game. Like he was lucky that the puck went in a few times for him early on. And now everybody's expecting him to be this offensive defenseman, which is not yeah. him at all. So any kind of offense you get with him should be a bonus. He's a penalty killer. He's a bottom pair guy. He's going to be steady. He's going to play pretty physical, you know, and that's what his game is. Right. It was more the problem that they had to pay $3 million a year for bottom pair guys. Right. And that's a little bit too much. Yeah. That's too much. It is. Um, all right, so uh, number seven, chart number seven. Bruins pick 54th in the draft 
from what I saw today. No first round pick. They do have uh, Flames third round pick this year at 91, I think it is. So it's 54 than 91. Do you think they try to move up at this draft at all? What do they do draft time? Yeah, I don't think they can move up. I don't think they have enough ammunition to move up in this draft. If you could possibly, um, you know, trade a couple of picks to get something higher in next year's draft, I would consider doing that just because next year's draft, I believe, is a little deeper overall. So um, this this draft, I think, is, you know, there's no real standouts, but the top three, four guys are, are all pretty good. Um, but you're not obviously going to get there, so... Um, you know, I would look either to try to move up into next year's draft, but I don't think this year they're going to be able to do anything, you know, substantial. They're going to have to pick where they pick, and uh, hopefully they don't take uh, the 91st guy at 51 or 54 and the, you know, 181st guy at, at 91. Hopefully you know, they... Do they, do they... Do you think that they, in the, in the years past, the last two, three years, they've taken guys who take some time to get here. And I think they, look, they had the roster that you could have some patience because they had, you know, they had a roster that was contending for the cup. But now that there's a retool or rebuild, whatever you want to call it, do you think they try to get a guy at 54, which may not be possible, but you think they try to get a more NHL-ready type of guy? I hope so. I hope they do. I don't know if you can keep doing this, waiting four or five guys, four or five years for guys to come to the league, you know, and God knows what happens then. I don't know what their draft philosophy is, really. And, right. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what it is. Like, what, what, are, what are the qualities that you're looking for? Like, we've right. mentioned this before, like the hard to play against thing. Well, that's very, very general. That's a very mm-hmm. general term. That it doesn't is. necessarily give you one thing like is a is a guy gritty is he going to go into the corners is he going to win puck battles is he a great skater does he great is he a great shooter to me when you draft a guy i think he has to have an elite nhl skill mm-hmm. that's that's what i that's Some what point. i believe yeah. like you you have to be an elite skater you have to have an elite shot you have to have an elite you know, vi- elite vision. You have to have elite stick handling ability. Like you have to have something about right. you that is right. elite. And right. if a guy does not have that, like you can't just draft a guy. Oh, like he's pretty good at everything. Well, if he's pretty good at everything at a junior level, he's not going to be a great NHL player because he's not great at anything at that level. What makes you yeah. think all of a sudden he's going to be great at it in the NHL? Mm-hmm. So like you have to, you have to pick a guy who's going to be, or already is great at something. Mm. And then maybe he can develop the other parts of his game. Sure. So to me, that's what you, you should be doing. You should be drafting somebody that has an elite skill at the NHL level. Like Beecher is an elite skater. He is an elite skater. skater. Big kid, elite skater. So the other things can come about. You hope, you hope they will. They are probable, you know? So, that or you have a guy like a Frank Vetrano can shoot the puck. Right, exactly. Can't much too much else. Right, but he can. He's an NHL shot. Right, you know, so you put like, him. Yeah, so you yeah. put him with a, a Crosby or somebody like that 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 right. can get him the puck in the shooting areas. He can score goals, or yeah. you know whatever Panarin or whoever it is. You know, right? Because uh, yeah. he's on the Rangers. But yeah, you. I mean, you get the point. Like you put right. a guy like that with a, an elite playmaker, and all of a sudden he's scoring twenty five. 
because on the right team, he uses his one skill right. and uses it well. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I totally get it. So I'm with you on the whole. I would love to see what if they had like, their charts or what they're looking for in a guy because we've been talking about the heaviness of the team or the toughness of the team. Mm-hmm. I think heavy is a little misleading because they did have 13 or 14 guys over 200 pounds like last year, but it's the way they play. But they've gone out and drafted uh, Lysel and have gone out and signed Makulov and little guys mm-hmm. with good skill in certain areas, but they again aren't getting the size. So it's still, it still doesn't line up with nearly saying we got to be able to get inside the dots. You can see, you know, Lysel getting inside the dots. Like, so I, that's where it doesn't match up to me. They just seem to kind of, even low rye, it's a better offensive defensive than he is like a rough and tumble kind of guy. Like he's not a guy who's going to put you through the boards type of thing. So I don't know what they're doing or what they're really looking for because the ish, some of the issues they have, they haven't really addressed them in the draft by getting almost smaller and smaller with their players. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not sure what they're, what they're trying to accomplish. Like to me, Ideally, you want a blend of everything. You would rather, to me personally, I would I would want uh, forwards that are uh, skilled and and fast, and to get in on the forecheck to be able to make plays, um, and then I would want a heavier defense. That ideally, you get a guy like Brandon Kylo that can skate and is big and has reach, and and you know maybe a low right fits that mold. Um, but I also want those guys to be a little nasty. And Brandon Kylo is a good Christian. He is not nasty at all. No. no. Um, so, like, no. he won't get involved in scrums. He doesn't fight. Um, he doesn't they don't, even trash truck or trip guys. No. He just kind of stands there. Right, because he's a yeah. good Christian. Like, he doesn't face wash guys. He doesn't clear out the no. front of the net. He doesn't whack guys in the legs because, that you know, it's not a good Christian thing to do. So uh, you need defensemen that are a little bit, nasty like McAvoy will try to take your head off coming across the middle especially if if he's taken some hits or if teammates have taken some hits earlier in the game like he's looking to put you through the put you through the boards like he's looking for some revenge like they don't have many guys out there like that so right. to me that's they the don't. that's the kind of defense you want you want a a mobile big aggressive nasty defense to go along with a skilled fast offense like to me okay. that's the team I would build but right. like they're all over the place. Like they got small yeah. defensemen. They got some big forwards who won't hit. They like they they. It's all over the damn place. Like they don't have like oh this is a Bruin type of player. Like you couldn't say that now in a draft. Like like right. you could say, you know, back in the day when there was like a Neely, you're like oh that's a Bruin type of player. Right. Like right. But they you don't those kind of like you don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. You don't know what it they is. Don't. So, like, if somebody so-and-so came up and it was like, oh, Zach Sinitian, he's a Bruins-type player. Why is he a Bruins-type player? Because right. he's fast and you picked him far too high? That's what a Bruins player is now. You, right. you, you reach for a guy. The, the draft reaches are Bruins players now. Right. That's, 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 what, that's what it is. That's what they, they want to be the smartest guy in the room. They want to get the guy, like, that no one thought would be the guy. Yeah, when you go and, around the league, it's like, who's, who's a... Who's a Bruins type of player? Well, it's whoever anyone reaches for. That's the Bruins type of player. Right. That's right. 
And, and years ago, you could easily identify a Canadians player from a Bruins player. Yeah, like Canadians were flashy skating. You know, you know that that type of offense, smaller, you know, yeah, hair flowing, that type of thing. And the Bruins were more rugged. You know, they were mm-hmm. rugged and gritty, and you know, get you along the boards and fight you and that type of thing. It was a clear identification of the two teams. And now I don't know what that is for Bruins fans. I for Bruins, and I think it frustrates Bruins fans, especially the ones who have historically watched this team. Yeah. Um, and that's a great segue right into the uh, random throwback draft, <laughs> which is 2007 number one overall pick Patrick Kane in this draft had the Bruins picking eighth overall. Do you know who that was? Uh, I believe I do. Was it uh, Mark Hamill from Star Wars? No, uh, Zach. Uh, Zach Hamill's brother, Zach Hamill. <laughs> yep. Yes, a center, <laughs> 18 years old from Everett of the Western Hockey League, played 20 total games in the NHL, had four assists. He was a remarkable f- plus five, though. Wow. Uh, so good two way guy. And, uh, <laughs> the problem was he was drafted one pick ahead of Logan Couture. So that was a problem. Uh, you also had uh, Brandon Sutter. You had uh, Ryan McDonough, Lars Eller, Kevin Shattenkirk in a row right after the wonderful uh, Zach Hamill. We wish him well. Uh, but he was the eighth pick overall. 35 was Tommy Cross was picked by the Bruins, 35th. He played a total of three NHL games in probably 4,000 AHL games <laughs> with the Providence Bruins. He had one assist. In three games, and he was picked 35th overall. Uh, not a lot behind him except for P.K. Subban, who was picked eight picks behind Tommy Cross and played the same position, which is not ideal. Wayne Simmons was also in the second round of that draft. The Bruins then did not have a third-round pick, fourth-round pick either. Uh, they had a fifth-round pick, and that was Dennis Rule who played up in Lewiston, Maine. And I Lewiston remember Dennis Roll. He yeah, was a German, uh, big yeah. German dude. Big German, bald guy, mm-hmm. never played in the NHL. Yep. So he was picked uh, uh, just one pick after Jamie Benn. Uh, and also Jake Muzzin was picked 141. So they could have had Jake Muzzin uh, if they scouted. And then 159, <laughs> Elaine Goulet. <laughs> Uh, not any relation to Michelle Goulet, I don't believe, who was a far better player. Uh, he did not play a game in NHL. Two picks ahead of Patrick Maroon was Elaine Goulet. Looks like they were trying to get some defensemen. Radim Ostrasil was picked 169th by the Bruins. He did not play a game. Nick Benino was picked five picks behind him. So that wasn't. Paul Byron was also picked behind him. Uh, round seven, Jordan Naxet, Naxtet from Moose Jaw. Didn't play a game in the NHL. Uh, and that was it for, uh, for that 2007 draft, which could go down as the worst in the history of the Boston Bruins because of where they picked eighth mm-hmm. and because they took Zach Hamill ahead of I mean, at least seven or eight legitimate. Riley Nash was in that. Ian Cole. Max Pacioretty was 22nd. Michael Backlund. David Perron. All in the first round. And all after Zach Hamill. I mean, so the drafting issues haven't been just swinging. It's been been a team-wide embarrassment for quite a while. No. 
Yeah. That was Shirelli to 07, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, but that was bad. And that was after 03, you had Bergeron. 04, you had Krejci. 06, you had that incredible draft with Kessel and Marchand and Lucic. And then you turn around and in 07, take Zach Hamill. Uh, and he and he just doesn't do a goddamn thing for you. And after all those guys, I mean, you had Max Pacioretty go 22. Yeah, 07, like, you just hit with two young centers, and you're going to take another yeah. center. Yeah. I don't it's Yeah, just... you, hit, you take another, and not only, yeah, you take another center. And it was just a bad, and then you take Cross right before Subban. So that wasn't great either. So it was a, it was a bad one. And then you were just starting. You had just signed Chara. You had just signed Savard. You know, you had you know two thousand nine and ten. You were starting to really gain some traction in two thousand ten. You should have won the Stanley Cup in two thousand ten because you had in two thousand ten you had that great run and Krejci gets hurt. You could have won the cup in two thousand ten. You had just so you had, you know, Chara and Savard in two thousand six. You had that great draft. And then you turn around and go 2007. If you pick PK Subban and Max Pacioretty or one or the other in that. Well, didn't you say Ryan McDonough was in there too? Ryan McDonough was in there. Right. If you pick any of those guys instead of Hamill, then you may have won in 10. You may have won in nine and 10 and 11. Now you may have had your two or three year cup run. Mm -hmm. If you don't fuck that up, it was right in the middle of you getting better. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a sneaky, bad Extremely bad draft. Yeah, that sure that, is. That is a, in a sneaky way hurt you badly because you're right in the mix of getting better. Yeah. You know? I mean, my. Yeah, I mean, they've been they were looking for a winger for Krejci for a long, long time. I mean, if you would, if you would, taken a Pacioretty there, you know, you, you just would took Kessel. You yeah. take Pacioretty the next year. Yeah. I mean, wow. you. Yeah, I mean, you're probably not looking for wingers. Probably not looking for wings for Krejci because no, you because you found one and yeah. and you know hey, how about that you took two centers one's going to be a Hall of Famer two are going to be Bruins Hall of Famers mm-hmm. in three and four and then you take Zach Hamill another center yeah why why in a center that's not good I mean it's just to me it's unbelievable. Uh, all right, Bruins Benders poll time. We had a poll. Who is your pick for the next head coach of the NHL Bruins? I put it on Twitter and on Facebook, on a Facebook group of Bruins fans. On the Twitter one, we had Mark Savard, Jay Leach, Nate Lehman, and an established coach. Those were the choices. And at 39% was Mark Savard, who seems to have a lot of love and affection from fans who want to, him to be the coach. Mm-hmm. 33% wanted an established coach. Which I thought was interesting. And then Jay Leach, 24%. Nate Lehman only got 4% on this and 112 votes. I think a lot of people don't know who he is still. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if they pick, let's say they pick Spencer Carberry, who we didn't even really know. No idea. Until yesterday. So <clears throat> I wonder if they pick him, what, you know, what the feeling would be there on him. Yeah, I think it would be... Um kind of the same thing. Like, who is this guy? What is he coming from? And then they'll find out that he was an assistant with the Leafs and they'll be like, great. We're bringing a loser who can't win in the first round into our organization from a loser team. Super. Right. That's what, I think that's what the fan reaction will be. Why are we taking a guy from a team that can't get out of the first round to be our head coach? Right. Because they don't know him. So they're immediately going to go to the negative. Yeah. And that's a big negative. For sure. I mean, it is. 
uh, Facebook group, 328 votes. Barry Trotz had 55% of the 328 votes. Uh, Mark Savard, 7%. Tortorella, 6%. Jay Leach, 5%. And then there were a bunch of others um, in there. So looks like they want an established coach, a lot of Bruins fans. Um, they probably won't get Trotz now. They certainly won't have uh, Tortorella which I don't think they should anyway. No. Um, Paul Maurice was, in, was intriguing. You know, we, 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 we like Paul Maurice, but I think they really need a young guy um, or a, a less experienced coach that can really work with you. I, I, I think they do. Well, they, they, look, they need to hire different than Cassidy was. Right. If they don't, then it's an even worse move to right. fire him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for God's sakes. Um, all right, you want to go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The Bruins Benders podcast is also on YouTube. And download the Inside the Rink app. NHL Draft comes up July 7th and 8th. Free agency begins July 13th. And we just went, uh, we just flipped the calendar over on the hockey. So now you can uh, re-sign your own free agents, I believe. So the Pasternak... Uh, talks should be coming up pretty soon. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And hopefully by next episode, the Bruins will have a new head coach. We appreciate everybody listening. We had a great week last week with the episode. Our most downloads ever. We appreciate you and appreciate everybody listening. Have a great week. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>